Welcome to episode number 207 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, industry analyst and host of CXO Talk. CXO Talk brings together truly the most interesting and innovative people in the world talking about disruption, talking about the leadership challenges, and talking about what's going on in their company and their industry. And today, I'm so happy because my, my old colleague and friend, Dion Hinchcliffe, is here as a guest co-host with me. Hey, Dion, how are you? Hey, Michael. I'm good to be on the show again and looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, we have a great conversation. We're going to be talking about digital transformation in the insurance industry. And, and Dion, if, if you would, please introduce our wonderful guest. Absolutely. Well, it's my great pleasure to introduce um, a very special guest. I think uh, based on our conversations with him, it's, it wouldn't be too far to uh, say he is a visionary uh, when it comes to uh, information technology. He is the CIO uh, and now the Chief Digital Officer of Unica Insurance Group uh, in Europe. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, to the show uh, Mr. Alexander Bachman. Uh, Alexander, welcome. Thank you for, her, for coming on, the, uh, on CXO Talk. Dan, Michael, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and looking forward to our discussion. So, so Alexander, please tell us about Unica and the, what does Unica do and what is, what is your role? Unica is a mid-tier insurance uh, company in Europe. Our headquarter is located in Austria. Um, we are uh, doing business in uh, 18 European countries, predominantly to the east of uh, Austria. So Central and Eastern Europe, Southeastern Europe, up to Russia. And um, we are a multi-line insurer, meaning we are insuring life products, health products, and uh, non-life products. And uh, about, uh, we have about 6 billion in revenues, 14,000 employees, and about 10.5 million customers. Well, very good. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before the show about your background and, and uh, I was struck by some of the concepts that you were telling us about that we'll explore uh, later on uh, in the show. And uh, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you become a CIO at Unica? What was your mandate? But you know, what, what led you to that, that role in the first place? Yeah, originally, I'm an environmental scientist. After doing that, I uh, had a stint in uh, strategy consulting. And there, one of my first product or projects was innovative technology in financial services. Um, which started essentially my IT career and the transformation jobs uh, in the industry. And uh, after working uh, for another insurer for a couple of years, I got the opportunity to join Unica first as the head of IT to build up a, a new shared service IT organization. And uh, since the middle of this year, then also spearhead the uh, digital transformation as the CDO. It's really interesting that you have both roles. So you started as a CIO, and now you've taken on the CDO role. And I'm, I'm always interested, what is the connection? What's the distinction between the CIO and the CDO? The interesting thing is also the setup that we have chosen, because the CDO is essentially a business function. So I'm now essentially uh, with one foot in the IT world and with one foot in the business world giving me an opportunity essentially to not only um, 
be stuck with the traditional CIO role, which, which is often fighting to get a seat at the table, but with the CDO role, it's normally my responsibility to work with my business partners and develop uh, and, and uh, bring to life new business models. And uh, spanning essentially both worlds is also an opportunity because you can, you, it helps in the prioritization and, and getting things done if you have uh, also the IT operations behind you to, uh, to actually execute on the digital projects. Yeah, well, I can see there would be a lot of advantage in uh, having all of the assets of IT to be able to bring to bear to the CDO role. But, you know, we said that, that the CDO role is primarily a business role. That makes me think of it being a P&L, right, a profit and loss center, uh, whereas IT is you know, traditionally viewed as a cost center. How do you balance those two views there? You got to wear both hats and kind of be everything to everybody. Yeah, the, um, it, is, it is an interesting uh, it's, it's an interesting situation to play both roles, essentially the, the P&L impact and the cost center part. Um, but the interesting thing is there um, to be in the position to um, be a credible partner for the C-suite to work on the transformation that I think is responsible or is needed in the industry. And um, I think the CDO role in a company is now very popular. I think last year or up to last year, two and a half thousand CDO roles were created. And I think a CDO is, is crucial at the beginning of a transformational journey um, as the catalyst and the driver for some of that change. But it's a little bit a, a grow or go uh, situation for the enterprise, meaning Either the, the digital realities kick in and the organization is adopting those, uh, and then the CDO becomes a temporary role because the business is in itself taking over that responsibility. Or you will always have a CDO which is screaming and fighting at the sideline trying to, to call the place, but the organization is still moving in the traditional way. And then actually the transformation or the digital revolution, as I call it, um, is failed. So I think the digital part and the CDO part is important. But I think at some point you should not need it anymore. And that role should either go away or maybe transition to a, something like a chief customer role, bringing in the customer value creation in the board level uh, into the strategic thinking. So what is the, why is this notion of customer value so central to digital transformation? I think the, um, the game at the end of the day is, is lost or won with the interface and the, the relationship with the customer. If you can't create um, customer value, um, you will basically not be able to provide your services and products. At the end of the day, um, nowadays, the digitization is creating different ecosystems and platform businesses, which are topics we can discuss further on. And if you can then decide you are to either become a product provider for a service ecosystem or be the orchestrator of the service ecosystem. If you lose the, the customer value creation part, if you are not relevant for your customers on your own, then you will be absorbed by somebody else's um, service environment and ecosystem. So therefore, the ability to be relevant for your customer, to have useful, um, enjoyable, transparent, and relevant services becomes the, the, the uh, win or break uh, point 
in a business strategy. Yeah, so that, that's you know a very interesting topic, given that you're in the insurance business, which you know it may be different in in Europe, but but here it's a, in the U.S. it's a highly regulated industry, not known for its superior digital experiences, let's say, uh, and so. Uh, it sounds like you're doing some very innovative things. And I, I like, the, the, you know, the, we know that there's research from Deloitte that says that it's the platform orchestrators that will create the most value overall, right? Those are the Googles and the Amazons and so on. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like you're positioning Unica to be in that role. Um, is that how you get around the regulation? Is that, you, you, that you're, you're enabling other products and services? Uh, or, you know, how are you, uh, you going to be able to, to, to deliver a superior customer experience given the constraints of your industry? I think the, the constraints are not necessarily limiting you to create great customer value. Um, mm -hmm. Banking is also a regulated industry. Healthcare mm -hmm. is a regulated industry. I think you need to, um, to transform yourself from a pure product provider and um, uh, try to develop more holistic services that, that uh, solve a, a need for a customer so that you become relevant on a high-frequency basis the traditional insurance business has the, the disadvantage that you have literally no touch points with your business uh, or with your customer. With end imagine, customer yeah, imagine you have a life insurance, you buy it, uh, it, it goes on for 30 years and you only have one negative touch point each year, which is when you have to pay the premium, right? Um, so insurance companies now are under pressure to provide the same customer relevancy like retail companies or other companies because that is what um, the customer is experiencing in daily life. And when they then approach their insurance company, you don't want to, to be a, um, seen as going to the dentist, right? It needs to be something enjoyable and useful. And that is where insurance companies need to, uh, well, definitely change their business model and the way how they serve customers. So how do you manage, it seems to me you're managing two different hats. Number one is as the chief digital officer, you're, uh, you're always thinking about the customer as a reference point and how does our business model incorporate that. And yet at the same time as the CIO, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming you're thinking about our our systems, our technology systems. And so one is a, a very customer, customer value role, and the other is a kind of inward-looking tech role. How do you reconcile those? Um, we have a, it, when we talk about digital, then, then we are talking about um, five different dimensions, and that's maybe explaining uh, your, your valid question. If you imagine a simple um, diagram with a horizontal and a vertical axis, um, the way how we illustrate our digital approach is on the horizontal axis, we, we have basically all the internal um, digital activities, which we did for the couple of years before all the buzzwords basically appeared. That's everything that has to do with automation, with process and product standardization, with legacy modernization, all those activities. And that's the traditional home turf of the CIO. The second dimension, the vertical dimension, is the external world, which is one of the key pillars, basically, of digitization, which is um, how you approach your customer. And from an IT perspective, you have the internal employee as a customer, your business partners as a customer, and your ultimate business customer. 
So for each of those, we are basically in our digital uh, uh, endeavor, we want to change how they experience the world on a daily basis, um, make it more uh, value driven, and not only do that um, for our customers, but also our employees. Otherwise, um, we, are, uh, we will not have the momentum that we need. So those are the framing uh, two conditions. Within that little graph, you then have the dimension of data and analytics, which uh, is very important for digital business models. And the crown jewel um, is essentially the development of new business models. Um, and underlying all of that, the key enabler to do any of that work is essentially a cultural change in the company. If you don't do that, your digital journey will essentially not work very well. So yeah, those sure. are essentially the five dimensions. And with the CDO role, it's all about external data, new business models. With the CIO role, it's all about culture, uh, internal processes and procedures, and that's how it's balanced. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. So, so this brings us to the hot topic of the day that we read in all of the, of the trade journals, and that is the process of digital transformation that, that all organizations really have to undergo. You know, we see that the, the technology world is changing faster than our organizations. And as you say, we have to roll out these new products and build these ecosystems and layer in these new business models. Can you tell us about your journey at Unica uh, and, and how you're going about it? Yeah, we are, we are trying to manage three um, different phases. Essentially, you have to take care of your business of today, your customers of today. You have to um, uh, deliver on your promise. So you need to develop and optimize today's business, which is the automation, standardization, improvement part of the journey. Then you have the second phase, which is the transition phase moving from your existing business model and augmenting that, strengthening that with new business models. So there is a big change management component in there. And what I, what I always say is that this part is where um, I use the phrase digital, you have to provide digital leadership. What that is, is you, you, uh, you landed on an island, which is your, your current state where you work today. Unfortunately, your boats are... Um, beginning to smolder and to catch fire. So your old model starts to burn and you have no idea yet what new boats you are building, what the new uh, business models will be because nobody knows today what the silver bullet of tomorrow is. And as a digital leader, one of your key requirements is to manage that transition phase and keep your employers and, and peers engaged in that journey. And the third phase is then actually building the new business models and there, um, uh, there it's, it's, it's all about learning with the experience, not trying to reinvent the wheel and, and being the world dominator in the first step. But think big, um, start small, and learn from your customer feedback. What are some of the, uh, the difficult challenges? I mean, would the, you know, it's interesting as, as you describe it, it's, very, it's nice and neat, but... In, the, in practice, I'm sure that it's not quite as simple and as easy as it, as it sounds when one talks about it. No, um, of course, there, there are tons of pitfalls and we learn something new every day. Um, the one challenge is, as uh, Diane already said, insurance is, is not well known for innovation. It's a 400-year-old uh, um, industry or maybe, maybe older 
Uh, our company is very proud to have over 200 years of uh, company history. Um, so you have very established and organically grown products, processes, and procedures. You also have, uh, uh, as a bank or as an insurance company that has always dealt with a lot of data, you usually have everything that was commercially available at one time in your data center, right? Um, at one point, I was basically jokingly saying that I can, I can improve my budget by going to the local IT university and selling tickets for people to look at uh, very old-fashioned technology. So, um, and, it's, and it's still working, and it's working fine. But most of the systems that you deal with are predating the internet. So they have no concept of microservices. They have no concept of connectivity. Um, they're not designed for flexibility and for supporting ecosystems. So obviously, you have to deal with that. And... Um, the, the third topic is something that I call the expert dilemma. The expert dilemma is if you are in a very successful company, um, you always tend to project your past success to the future. And in the new world, in the digital world, the rules of the game have changed and what made you strong in the past will not make you strong in the future. Uh, and therefore, there is this mindset shift that needs to happen to gain momentum on a digital journey. So you have technical uh, opportunities for improvement. You have cultural mindset wise. And it, as insurance, you don't have so much as an industry, so much experience for uh, need for action where something dramatic needs to happen as the business model was so stable for such a long time. So you don't have a lot of change agents that are, that are ready to go the next change program because they have done it so often. Um, insurance has not reinvented itself in the past. And that's a, that's a major transformation challenge. It's pretty extraordinary. Um, so, the, so in a sense, there's really no choice. So, so what's the sense of, what kind of sense of urgency is there within the organization to embrace the kind of changes that you're talking about? And it's difficult for any organization to change the way you're describing. I'm uh, very um, fortunate to work in a company where the board of management and uh, our supervisory board have, have basically uh, have that sense of urgency. Um, and we can talk about our transformation program maybe later on. But uh, if you look at insurance business, and I mentioned the three parts of it, life, health, and non-life, think about what's happening in the industry. Uh, we have a, a very low interest regime right now. In the past, the business model in life insurance for an insurer was very simple. Get the premium, put it into an asset management account, get 10% return, and promise your, your customer, let's say, 4 to 5%. You have 2% admin uh, expenses and 3% of that uh, asset under management income. The investment income is your profit. So that business model was very simple. If you have an interest rate that is zero or negative, that model doesn't work anymore. But you have promised your customers in the annuity, if it's, if it's a, a fixed annuity, you have promised them a certain return. So... The life insurance business right now is not profitable for most of the life insurance companies. So there is a sense of urgency. 
If you take health insurance, health insurance is taking some of your premium, putting it in an asset account, and is assuming that you get a certain interest rate to pay for higher medical expenses when you get older. If you don't get that interest rate, then you have to either ask for more money or reduce your level of service. As you don't want to do the later, you have to do the former, which the customer is not appreciating. So two of your three business models are currently under pressure. The third one, non-life, for many insurance companies, 50% of their non-life business is motor insurance. So you know what's happening with motor insurance, with the Teslas and, and other uh, innovations coming our way. So that business model where you insured a driver of a vehicle is evaporating. So three out of three business models are under pressure in insurance. So if, if somebody has not received the sense of urgency to do something, then maybe insurance is not the right place to be right now. We have a question from Twitter. Wayne Anderson is asking, how do you balance the privacy requirements in this shift to digital? Um, privacy requirements is for us extremely important because uh, insurance companies are living for, of their reputation. If there would ever be a breach or a misuse of, of, of personal data, that is a code of conduct that all insurance companies are basically following. Um, we, we don't want that. So we take extreme care, and that is actually limiting some of the activities that we can do. For example, um, in Austria, it took us two and a half years of negotiation with the local regulator to get a video identification process in place that is accepted by the regulator. And um, we also are not only in a situation where it's very tricky which data we want to use, we are, we are so far advanced in technology that it becomes an ethical question, not only a legal data usage question. What I mean by that is we all know privacy laws and all the, the challenges we have with that. But technology nowadays um, allows us, when a baby is born, um, usually on the third day they get a, a test for certain um, diseases that they could have. Nowadays it would be economically feasible to get a DNA imprint of that, per, of that newborn child and then um, identify the likelihood for diseases, the, how well certain medicines will work, etc. And you could profile um, a lot size of one, meaning a very personalized health insurance product for this uh, person, but that would completely destroy the underlying uh, idea of insurance where you spread that basically across a, a bigger audience and a bigger group. And uh, therefore, data usage, the, the information that is available, um, especially in healthcare and digital health, uh, which for us is, is very important, um, becomes an ethical question. And there's information and data that we would not use even if we legally were allowed to do it. Yeah, so that, you know, all of this, the picture you just painted, um, you know, brings up, uh, uh, reminds me of something you told us uh, when we were speaking earlier that I thought was, was really amazing to hear from a C-level leader of a large, a large organization. And that is, uh, given all the, the things that you just uh, relate about, each one of your business models is existing business models is under pressure. Um, and even the, the insurability of people is, is changing because of, you know, DNA imprints. 
uh, that uh, you said to us that you believe that in five to 10 years, the classical insurance company will disappear. Uh, and so, so how does that affect your role? It sounds like you're the one, you're on the hot seat for building that bridge into the future to something hopefully that's on the other side. Is that right? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's always a team sport, right? Um, if, right? if you depend on only one person, then uh, you're not working in cross-functional teams, which I think are most effective. If we build now a silo where there's only one single person driving innovation and change, then it will probably not succeed. But having said that, um, as part of our journey, we created two new roles uh, mid-year uh, in 2016. One was my role, the uh, CDO role, on top of the CIO role, to tackle all the, the topics that we just discussed. I have a, a partner in crime, um, which is uh, a colleague of mine with the title of Chief Innovation Officer. And uh, what we are doing there is that he is looking specifically at the idea of what could be new business models, what could be new partnerships, what could be new ecosystems to join, to create, um, to strengthen our, uh, our overall business approach and to be ready for that third phase that I mentioned, um, the start or the, at least the testing of new business models. Again, that's, a, that's another very interesting point. So if the chief digital officer is responsible or, or let's say very heavily involved with searching out new business models, and new business models, of course, are a key form of innovation, and the chief innovation officer is obviously responsible for innovation, how are these two roles different? Um, they are part of the same puzzle. Uh, I think you, in some sort of fashion, in whatever organization you are, you need to tackle the, the, the challenges that those two roles are, are addressing. Um, if you think about it in the traditional in, uh, innovation management, you have like at the beginning, a lot of ideas that go into a funnel and then they go into execution or piloting or something similar. So now imagine you do that with the topic of business models. So the chief innovation officer is essentially screening the fintech and insurtech world of where, where could there be ideas for partnerships, for investing into new models, for um, observing what others are doing, and also for designing ideas for additional uh, models for Unica. And at some point, those topics become more concrete and prioritized. And then the chief digital officer comes into play to think about um, uh, the aspects associated to that role. What's the customer value? What are the, what's the customer journey, touch point analysis, et cetera. And then it goes further into the execution, either in our new digital team, if it's uh, an external facing activity, or in the uh, basic traditional core IT unit, um, which is still essentially the, the central nervous system of uh, all Unica business models. So that's yeah. how those two roles play together. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so. Uh, when we had talked before, you were saying some very interesting things about how the importance of data had shifted. I think you've mentioned it before, but uh, 
what's the role of data in your digital transformation? Uh, I, I think you talked about it, it should support customer experience, but I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, um, I think all digital models at the end of the day, by definition, are data-driven business models. But outside of that, uh, as an insurance company, you have a lot of uh, information available and most insurance companies are quite good in analyzing those for whatever um, opportunities you can and insights you can gain out of those. But those have not changed a lot over the last decades. They are the same type of information that is linked to underwriting, risk underwriting, assessing a risk, and uh, invoicing, billing, claims handling, that kind of thing. Nowadays, however, with the internet, with mobile devices, with in the internet of things, with um, uh, telematic technologies, you have, in theory, a, a much, much bigger universe of data points, which allow you the opportunity to um, to uh, improve the risk-based products that you have with new service offerings. For example, I, I said the motor business is under pressure, right? And um, we all know that the self-driving cars are around the corner sooner or later. Most projections say by 2021, all the major players will have those on the road. Uh, add another five to 10 years for the for the exchange cycle, and then you will have a meaningful number of uh, self-driving cars on the road. At some point, and also with the sharing economy where people are not owning stuff anymore, um, there will be a tipping point where, where you're uh, essentially developing a new need, which is a mobility need. A person wants to get from point A to point B, but they don't want to own a car to get there. Depending on the weather, they might use, I don't know, a bicycle or uh, a car or take public transportation. So is there an opportunity for insurance companies similar to the car OEMs to develop ideas and exchange the old business model of insuring a driver and, and just link, for example, a mobility service with your home insurance? If you uh, live at location A and you work at location B, why could an insurance company not offer you with your home and life and health insurance a mobility package that uh, that could bring you from A to B in whatever fashion you fancy? We have a question from Twitter. And I just want to remind everybody that you're watching CXO Talk. Right now, there is a tweet chat going on using the hashtag CXO Talk. And we are speaking with Dr. Alexander Bockelman, who is the global CIO and chief digital officer for a major European insurance company, Unica Group. And we have a question, Alexander, from Arsalan Khan on Twitter, who says, How, what kind of labs do you have? Essentially, it's, it's the innovation question. And how do you, how do you manage experiments and how do you manage uh, failure and along the same lines I'm going to throw in and ask if you can touch on uh, your views of fintech and startups and competition coming from those directions okay thank you for the question first of all um, and what kind of labs do we have let me take a step back before I answer that I think um, Disruptive innovation is very hard, if at all, achievable within a given organization. So if you want to do something that, that is really new, 
you most of the time do not have the resources in the existing organization, which is streamlined for efficiency to manage your existing business, to do all that disruptive stuff on top of everything else. So I think that is the main driver why people have certain labs. Um, what we have is we have a digital team that is centered around a customer experience group. As uh, I mentioned, that customer value creation and customer experience is for me one of the key winning ingredients in digital solutions. And surrounding that, we are building teams for um, the web and portal space, for the mobile space, and for the data analytics space. Um, why is that important? The first two, web and mobile, I think we are, we are obviously in a mobile first world. And you always need to be there where the customer wants to engage you and always when the customer wants to do this. So you have it in any time, anywhere, 24-7 uh, obligation for good customer service at some point, depending on your services. And um, the third pillar, the data pillar, is very important um, to manage all the additional data volumes. And uh, I believe that insurers need to transform from pure risk product providers to be more um, predictive and preventive uh, life solution providers. And that's where you need um, a new competency in data and analytics um, to make that happen. Yeah, so so uh, we'd be remiss in not um, bringing up another subject of industry conversation lately, and, and that is something that uh, our mutual friend, um, uh, Martin Lanford has been talking about, which is that CIOs are shackled to legacy mountain, as it were, that 70 to 90% of our budgets are required just to keep what we already have going. And that leaves very little left over to maneuver, to innovate, to move your organization across that bridge into, into the future. How, are you, how do you cope with that? I think this is the best kept secret in our industry. People don't understand this is what holds back so many organizations. How do you cope with that? That's true. That's, that's, that's a major um, challenge, especially when you're in regulated industries. On top of that, um, you also have the, the change projects driven by new regulations. And that is obviously, that's more often than not eating away all your change capacity that you have in a given year. Um, so due to the sense of urgency that is for us uh, uh, needed in the industry, um, we made a, our, our board made a very bold decision and um, started on uh, at the next stage in our Unica 2.0 strategy in which we started a, a transformation program that is funded above and beyond the regular budgets for those uh, change activities in the three phases mentioned, the existing business, the, the transition period and the development of new um, business models. And uh, we started a 10-year program that is funded with 500 million euros. And that gives us additional capacity and budget to tackle the challenges that we discussed today. We have another question from Twitter. And Shelley Lucas is asking about uh, the use of virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, in risk and in your models and how is, is that going to affect the insurance industry? Very good question. Uh, personally, I think 
augmented reality will uh, have a bigger and faster impact than virtual reality. Doesn't mean that virtual reality is not coming, but I think that's that's a little bit further down the road. Um, with augmented reality, a lot of things are are in theory possible in the insurance space, from risk assessment over uh, um, solution design for certain things. So I'm I'm very big on the idea that. Um, augmented reality will will become available uh, quite soon. You already see some innovative companies that use it more in the machine industry for maintenance tasks on turbines and things like that. Um, so I think that is coming. For us uh, right now, the more short-term usage is not the virtual or uh, augmented reality piece, but the machine learning piece. So I think that machine learning and artificial intelligence are extremely impactful for business models. Uh, I believe that a lot of the customer interaction in the future in many service environments will be at least optimized by artificial intelligence, if not conducted by artificial intelligence. And uh, we also have a, a pilot running right now to use machine learning um, for the optimization of, uh, of certain processes and procedures um, in our health insurance uh, segment. Um, so I believe that there is a lot going on in that space. And you asked earlier, fintech, startups, et cetera. Um, if you think about the money that is being poured into those fintechs and startups over the last couple of years, it enabled uh, an immense amount of innovation. And I think that's very helpful to uh, bring that amount of, of new ideas into a lot of industries. And I think the, the one thing everybody should not do is ignore that. Um, there, I, I always have like a sign in my mind that says, ignore at your own peril. So like a, like a, a danger sign. Um, for me, at least in sure tech companies, are very useful in our transformation journey um, because often uh, they have an opportunity to develop or find a solution to a problem where we neither have the resources or had the idea how to do that. I think uh, Cisco's model of buy, partner, observe, and so forth um, is the right one. So you have to think about uh, fintech and insure tech as uh, a partnership model. I think 85% of those companies don't want to disrupt incumbents. They want to work with them. And the combination can be very powerful. And we have another question from Twitter. Uh, Sohail Sarwar, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. If not, I apologize, is asking about the impact of uh, blockchain. Blockchain for me is a very interesting technology because it has the potential to solve a lot of uh, efficiency problems. So it, it, it has the potential to um, solve things in the space of uh, fraud detection, in the, in the area of uh, identity management. Um, it can be a very cheap transactional documentation ledger technology. For me, however, blockchain is still missing a couple of key ingredients for making really a big impact. Um, the key ingredients are scalability, standardization, and adoption. Because for me, um, 
blockchain has the biggest impact, the, the bigger the network is that is using a certain top, uh, blockchain solution. I could easily imagine now uh, having a, an in-house blockchain use case, but then the impact would be very marginal. If we on the country level suddenly would have a blockchain network across multiple providers, service providers, including customers or so forth, then blockchain could really be powerful. And I think it will come, but I think it will come in a couple of years. And now I'm falling probably in the same <laughs> dilemma that I mentioned before, that we always think linearly in the development of certain technologies, but they develop exponentially. So if I say it will take three to five years, maybe it's only one or two. Um, take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. So. Uh as you wrap up the show, um, uh, I wanted—I uh, was wondering if you could share some practical advice uh, about digital transformation. You've been down the road, um, uh, at least part of the way, right? And you've had—you have lessons learned and presumably battle scars. What would you tell other CIOs uh, in terms of advice on, on how you know what? How should they go about digital transformation? I would say take ownership and uh, leverage the sense of urgency to get into a driver's seat for the journey. Um, Kim Stevenson once had a famous quote from Intel um, saying, there are no IT projects, only business projects. And today there are no um, uh, IT roles, there are only business leaders. So uh, therefore, uh, every new digital business model is an IT-enabled and powered business model. So CIOs should basically feel empowered to uh, have a voice in that. The second one, provide the digital leadership. Your C-suite is often probably not as well as you educated on the new technologies. You have an opportunity to, to have a coaching uh, and, and educational aspect there. And um, whatever you do, do not build a strategy for it, do not build a digital strategy, but build a strategy for a digital world. That is a, a play with words, but it basically has a totally different perspective if you um, uh, design your strategy in that way. And then um, start now. There is no right way of doing it. You have to uh, think big that your idea can scale. You have to start small and um, learn from your customers. So engage customer feedback as early in the process as possible, and then iteratively improve the outcome. And if possible, engage your employees and find um, change agents on all levels, from the C-level down to the individual expert at the desk, um, to carry the torch with you, because there's pot potentially a lot of uh, good energy and ideas in your team already that just needs uh, a way to express that. And that's the experience that we did. Once we created the environment, um, there were a lot of people that, that stepped up and helped us essentially in our first steps of the journey. And as we uh, finish the show in the last couple of minutes, what advice do you have for chief information officers? You came into this role as a, as a business leader, uh, not as a technologist. And so you have a broad perspective. So what is your advice to CIOs to manage this very uh, difficult and challenging transition period where it's not even clear where we're transitioning to? I think um, 
it doesn't sound pretty, but the first thing is get your ship in order. Um, if if the day-to-day -day business is not working, then you're so much in firefighting mode that you have no chance to get out of that and you will not have the credibility to build something new. So first of all, take care of your business today. Um, the second one is uh, show and tell, meaning try to find some resources to build a mock-up, to, to do something that doesn't take a lot of effort but get away from any PowerPoint strategy presentations and, and show an idea as a click dummy. What we once did is um, we wanted to get the point across that customer journeys are important and um, you have to look at things from a customer perspective. And we very quickly found out that giving PowerPoint presentation is not the best way of doing that. And what I'm sharing now is not now the, the silver bullet thing. It's just an, an illustration, think differently. So what we did is we did a very short Playmobil stop motion movie and we, we played the life of customers in a certain situation before and after a project that we proposed. And suddenly people understood on a totally different level what we want to achieve with this project and how it can influence the life of our customers in a much different way than if we would just have used PowerPoint. So just find creative ways to, to show how digital project can be different and then find one or two lighthouse projects to build momentum um, and don't pick the most difficult ones. So these ones should no, really not be, first, yeah, not, not as a first. These ones should be ones with a relatively high likelihood of success. Okay, wow. Dion, uh, this has really been quite a conversation, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it's amazing to see how things are changing, how industries are really are going right up to the brink and how uh, Alexander is probably uh, has his uh, role at the most interesting possible moment uh, in, in, in the evolution of moving from the industrial age to the new modern world. So, yeah, that was a great conversation. I really, really appreciated that. And, you know, Dion, I really one of the things that I found most fascinating is the fact that Alexander has this perspective as a global CIO but at the same time has equally his, his feet on the business side and thinking about the customer impact and the business model impact as well. Yes, we, and you really would think that's the recipe for success. Um, you know, we always had this talk about the IT business divide and Alexander seems to have found a way to bridge that by having that CDO, CDO role and that CIO role. So it's great to see. Well, we have been talking with Dr. Alexander Bockelman, who is the Global CIO and Chief Digital Officer at Unica Insurance Group. Alexander, thank you again for taking time to speak with us today. Michael, Dan, it has been a pleasure and I'm, I'm honored to be part of your show. Thank you very much. And I hope, and I hope you'll come back again. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thank you for having me. And Diane Hinchcliffe, thank you for being the guest co-host today. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. I really enjoyed being here. Everybody, there'll be another show next week, and please come back and watch. Have a great day. Bye-bye.